0: Welcome to the Working From Home Myeloma Podcast. I wanted to share with you some health-related and personal information to help discussions around health and looking after yourselves when working from home, but also to inform you on what your friends, family or colleagues might be going through, that it's okay to talk about these things. It's also a way to get the message out there that not all things in life should stop you from being positive and educate others that might well be going through or starting on a journey that I am currently on. This was definitely not a by-product of working from home that I was expecting, but I was diagnosed with myeloma in June 2021, and have started my treatment of weekly injections under the wonderful team at St. James's Hospital in Dublin. So how did this start? Well back in January I felt a muscle pulled in my arm, a little twinge that started small But just would not go away after a few days. So being a man and being Irish I did what every Irish male would do and just ignored it. We had recently completed building work in the house, had been moving furniture around, unboxing the kitchen and basically doing a lot of heavy lifting so I thought that the twinge was a result of that. My local chemist gave me an anti-inflammatory and that for about a week did the trick. So in February, I continued to ignore it and thanks to the persistence of my wife, in March, contacted a physio. Now, I'm not going to mention names, companies or anything like that, but let's just say that experience was not what I was expecting. Thanks to COVID, it was basically a short phone call, not a video call. And the outcome was an email with strength training exercises to get the muscles back working again. Two weeks later, I had another short phone call for a review and then was emailed more exercises. A few weeks later with no changes to strength or anything like that, I was told that I needed to physically see a physio so booked a visit to their physio clinic one Saturday morning was reverted back to an exercise program that would fix the lack of movement in the arm first and then we would be able to get through the strength training. At this stage, so April, I was asked if I would got the arm scanned and I would not even considered it at that point and there was no recommendation coming from the physio to get that done. So we simply moved on with the exercises. A week later I had another review and we had movement and the exercises were working. Some more exercises and another review in two weeks time and I left feeling great, finally my arm is getting fixed. But then the bank holiday weekend in May happened. On the Monday night, I had what I can only describe as a vivid dream in which a cat jumped off a wall in front of my wife, my son and I and I lashed my arm out to move it on. What I woke up to was the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life. I was in tears, had my wife in tears and spent two hours unable to even move the arm slightly away from my body. The arm had completely locked in place and there was no chance of moving it. It twinged, spasmed and hurt like hell. Even standing up was hard at that stage. At 9am I called the physio, now this was Tuesday morning, and was told that they had no emergency appointments but could see me the following week. So I called my wife's physio and I got an appointment for them at 2 o'clock that day. My new physio looked at me, watched me struggle to even just remove my t-shirt and was not happy at all. I gave him the history, the exercise program that I was given, which was reviewed with a lot of confusion, and given a single exercise to do for the week to get some level of movement back in the arm, so that I could at least move the arm away from my body. Anti-inflammatories were given again, and a week later I was back in for review with movement in the arm, though somewhat limited, and again he looked at me and immediately wrote a letter to my healthcare clinic to get an MRI as there was just something not right. I immediately went down to the clinic and met with a doctor that reviewed everything and looked at the arm. They gave me a sling and an appointment for the following Monday for an MRI. At 4.30pm on Tuesday the 18th of May 2021 my life changed. I met with the consultant to review the MRI I had 24 hours previously And he showed me what was basically a large growth in the middle of my humorous bone. He explained that he had reviewed the scans at 10am that morning and that he had two choices that he could have made. He could have called me immediately and told me to get to an A&E and let them sort it out. Or he does what he does best and figures out what happens. He is an orthopedic surgeon in St. James's Hospital in Dublin and works on these type of bone issues. He has a team behind him peers in other hospitals and at that stage already put a team of nine people together to review and work on my case. He explained to me in a way that I can only describe as not only informative but human his thoughts on what had happened and wanted to rule everything out possible. He explained that there was a possibility of a tumor and he wanted to make sure that it was nowhere else in my body and also wanted to get my arm back as close as normal as possible. He told me that I would be admitted to hospital the following morning and there would be a few weeks of tests to get to the bottom of what had happened with some type of surgery required to fix the arm and give me back some level of support and movement. I was told to go home, speak with the family, prepare for a few weeks of not knowing what would occur next. When I did get home, there were very emotional conversations had as we did not know what the next few days would bring And what the outcome of all this was kim and i also tried to talk through this with our seven-year-old andrew but it's difficult to have that conversation And while he was upset that i was going into the hospital he was not sure why other than i had a sore arm i called my family and let them know what was happening too and we spent a restless night trying to get our heads around what the next few days would bring I also called my manager and informed him what was happening and let him know that I would be in touch from the hospital as things progressed. The following morning, I arrived in St. James's at 8.30, as asked, and was not on any sheets for that day. I was also told that the consultant was not working as they were in surgery, but within a few minutes he arrived and brought me into a room and we started to put everything into motion. I met with two of his team and they took me through the admissions process, the list of tests that we would be starting with and what the next few days would entail. I was also told that every marker that my surgeon had done for others was being called in to get me the tests needed as quickly as possible. This included large tests like bone density scans and I was on the list for the Hermitage Hospital for that one too with an ambulance transfer booked if needed. Because of the pain being only in my arm, and as the doctors kept telling me I was young and healthy, they were confident that the injury was localised to the arm. This was to be confirmed, however, so tests were to be performed. That morning, tests were blood, a lot of blood was taken to cover a lot of tests, X-rays of the arm, which was needed for reference more than diagnostics, and COVID tests. While at this stage I had my first injection, a COVID test was to be performed every three days. I then waited for a bed. I was told that it would be some time, so instead of sitting around waiting, my bag was stored for me in the nurse's manager's office, and I was told to go outside, get a coffee, and try to relax. I called Kim to keep her up to date, as she was not able to come into the hospital with me, and I went for a walk around the grounds. Apart from the sling on my arm, I looked and felt fine. We had been walking our 10,000 steps per day since January. and We were lucky not to have put on the dreaded COVID kilos. So going for a walk to clear my head was the only thing I could think of. That afternoon, I got a call to say that there was a bed ready for me in a private ward. And now I had a bed, the other tests needed could be booked up for me. I was told that I would need a fresh MRI bone density scan and a CT scan. There was a backlog however so it was now a waiting game. I had my blood pressure, temperature and pulse taken, ECG baselines taken, MRSA testing done, CPA tests, anti-clotting injections given and the cannula was put into my arm in anticipation of the tests performed the next day. Wednesday evening, there was no more to be done, so dinner and then sleep were the only things in my mind. And as usual for hospitals, there was very little sleeping. The lack of sleep was down to the fact that my room overlooked the emergency generator, and that was tested at 3am on Thursday morning. As the ward was warm, the windows were opened too, so it was very, very noisy. Thursday morning, I was on the list for the CT scan and MRI. I was also told my bloods were looking normal, except that the inflammation marker was slightly high, but then I did have an inflammation in my arm, so that was expected. At 11 am, my doctor appeared with news that I was to get the triple phase bone scan that day. This was a big one. This would show if there were any other bones in my body that had signs of tumours. If you've never done this before, it's basically a 30 minute head to toe x-ray. It was scheduled for 2.30, But at 11.20 I needed to have a radioactive dye injection administered that would basically attach itself to any of the lesions in my bone and show up on the scan. Now there are natural lesions that appear over your body the older you get in your joints such as your knees, wrists, etc. where there is a lot of movement during your life. But they were looking for ones that should not have been there. I asked the technician giving me the injection what superpowers the radioactive dye gave me and while there was not enough to let me fly or anything like that, the only superpower you get is the ability to go to the toilet every 15 minutes as your body tries to flush the dye out within a 24-hour window. What I also got was a piece of paper attached to my bed that warned others that I was radioactive and was not allowed to leave the room until the following morning. The scan itself went well. And the technician was happy that they got everything they needed. The first part is slightly claustrophobic as the x-ray machine is right in front of your face but within five minutes it's moved down to your chest and you're just looking at the ceiling tiles for the next 25 minutes. That evening we had a full ward so little or no sleep again and the waiting game for results and the next test would start again in the morning. Friday morning and I was still drinking 5 litres of water. 5 litres is the objectives in 24 hours to flush the dye. But as there were no tests done over the weekend, the objective was also to get discharged that afternoon at about 2 o'clock and return on the Monday for the next set of tests. There were also no results from yesterday's bone density scan. So the physio came to visit me and I went over the exercises I'd been given the first time around. He too was confused and not happy with the way that was done, but said for the moment do not do any exercises while they did the tests. I was however given a new sling for better support of the arm. At half past one I was given a choice to either stay the weekend in the hospital or go home and return on Tuesday for more tests. Under normal conditions you would get a day release that meant you could go home and return to the ward to sleep in the evenings due to COVID this was just not possible. The problem with leaving was that all the outstanding tests would have to be cancelled and I would then need to rejoin the backlog of tests when I was readmitted. It had been a stressful few days away from Kim and Andrew so I made the decision to leave and spend more time at home. I needed it for my own mental health and for Kim and Andrew too. So at two o'clock I left with the prescription for very strong anti-inflammatory and returned home. At the end of the first week, I had also a list of things that I'd taken into the hospital with me that I did not need to bring back, and also a few items that I needed to get to go back in the following week. The main one was earplugs, as sharing a ward with snorers is not gonna get you a lot of sleep. So after a relaxing weekend at home, and digesting what we had learnt the previous week, I spent a lot of time on Monday on work things. I had meetings to cancel, meetings with HR, updates to my manager, and working for a multinational has its advantage as unbeknownst to me, there is a team dedicated to supporting long term sick employees. Within 30 minutes of reaching out to HR, I had a lovely lady contact me to walk me through everything that needed to be done on my side which was actually very little. Work would take care of a lot of things on their side and even wanted to arrange health and safety reviews and ergonomics assessments for me to make sure that I would be okay continuing to work should I feel the need. There was no pressure but the support was there should I needed it. I was also told that there was a company doctor that I could use to discuss anything that I was concerned about. I had briefly spoken to my manager the Tuesday before And while I have discussed on the Working From Home Ireland podcast before about keeping work and personal life separate, for something like this there is definitely a need for crossover. I'd given him my mobile number before, and he even reached out to Kim to make sure that she was doing okay and see if there was anything that she needed. Monday night I repacked for a visit to hospital knowing that if all the tests could not be done this week I would stay over the weekend so that I was higher on the list the following week. I also packed the earplugs, just in case. Tuesday morning, the 25th of May, I reported back to the hospital at 8.30. My doctor did the readmission and updated the notes from the previous week to include any new issues that had come up. I was still getting spasms and sleeping with the sling-on and on my back, so it was a restless experience. I got my Covid tests and all my blood tests from the previous week were now back and there was nothing new to report there. The plan for this week was a CT scan and an updated MRI, this time with contrast. The results of both of these would then determine the next tests needed. At 2pm I was admitted to the ward and the waiting started. I was told that tomorrow would be the CT and MRI possibly. This time I was on an orthopaedics public ward and there were six beds in the room, all of which were occupied. One person on the ward was celebrating, if you could call it that, his one year anniversary in hospital on the Thursday. I thought three days last week was stressful, but one year must really mess with your mind. The guys I was sharing with, however, put me at ease very quickly. There was a lot of laughter, a great atmosphere, and the staff from the cleaners to the nurses to the canteen were all laughing and joking with us which put me at ease. This week would be a good week. Within about 15 minutes, I had not even had a chance to unpack, my doctor appeared to tell me that there was a cancellation in the MRI booking system and I needed to get down there now to get it done. One of the guys on my ward asked if he could go too as he had been waiting three days at that stage. The cannula was installed into my hand and off I went to MRI. If you've never had an MRI, it's basically a large donut-shaped magnet that you lie in while listening to really bad Spotify playlists on headphones that have lost all their bass, while the machine beats a rhythmic drum that stays with you like the movement of a ship after you have docked. All metal has to be removed. They wanted me to place both arms above my head for this, but that was just impossible, so they placed beanbag weights on my bad arm to secure it in place. The MRI took 25 minutes and the technician talked me through each and every piece of it. My arm was killing me afterwards. I walked out of the MRI to find my ward mate was also there and he had his MRI done too, which was great, so we walked back to the ward together. That evening I was told to fast in case the CT scan was going ahead the following morning so I watched a movie on my tablet, lay down in my bed and after inserting the earplugs fell asleep. Hospitals are not holiday apartments. Some rooms have use of air conditioning systems, last week it was the emergency generator and this week it was the bin stores. Trucks arrived at 6am to start emptying the bins so I was wide awake then. At 8am my doctor arrived with news. The MRI showed that the damage was local to my arm and while the bone density scan results were not fully completed they could see that there was no other areas of concern in any other bones. Today's plan was the CT scan and then they would operate to remove the tumour or do a biopsy. If we were to go down the biopsy route then it could well be next week so I'd have to stay in for the weekend unless I could be transferred to Kappa or St. Vincent's if there was an opening there. I was also told I did not need to fast for the CT scan anymore and one minute later breakfast was produced. I'd just finished my breakfast when my doctor came in and said that he was taking me for the CT scan. Turns out there are multiple CT scanners in hospitals and the emergency department had one free. Favors had been called in and my doctor had promised the techs an exciting show. So off I went to the CT after being asked to empty my recently filled bladder and my doctor walked me down and waited outside to bring me back again. A CT scan was performed to check the chest cavity to see if there was anything hiding in my organs. It's a requirement and a tick box exercise but another in the long list of diagnostics tools doctors have at their disposal. With the CT scan it's not as claustrophobic as the MRI and very quick it took about 10 minutes from start to finish. The scans were sent off for review and back to the ward we went to wait for the outcome of the next tests. Nothing else happened from a medical perspective that day so lots of chats, tea and with one of the ward mates back from his surgery a lot of catching up and trying to make each other laugh. Thursday morning and I met with the doctor and surgeon at 7.30am. This was early so a bit worrying But the CT showed nothing of concern, and the bone density scan results were completed and clear, and everything looked like it was localised. We just did not know what it was. I was told that, for the past week, my doctors had been working with doctors in other hospitals and sharing information and results, scans, x-rays, etc. So the team had gotten bigger. My complete file was sent to Kappa for review at ten AM by courier, and then a plan for the biopsy would be sent back to St. James's for booking up. Again I was told that this could be next week. At thirteen fifty, and I'm being very precise on this, my doctor arrived with a consent form for me to sign for a biopsy to be done the following morning at nine AM. The review had been done and turned around in less than three hours. He explained what would happen, that it was a five-minute procedure, that there would be little pressure on the arm at the time, and it was to be done in St. James's, As it was not under general anaesthetic, there was no need to fast and exact instructions had been given to the surgeon performing the procedure on how to do the biopsy. The reason for the specific way to do the biopsy was twofold. There are main nerves and arteries in the area that needed to be avoided and if you need to have surgery to repair the arm, they wanted to leave the surgical area clear so they could do it sooner rather than later. Then the best news of the week, I could go home a few hours afterwards. At 3pm, another of my doctors appeared to go over the procedure again and asked if I would be able to fast for the procedure as they would be giving me a sedative due to the pain that I was in with the arm. They had to move the arm around, so it could very well be sore, so best that I did not eat. And I agreed. That night the ward was down to three people, so I slept well, and at 8.30, sporting a gown that I could not tie due to the lack of movement in my left arm, headed for the procedure. The biopsy was done in the CT scan room I had been in on Wednesday, only this time there were a lot more people. Doctors and nurses are like pickpockets in a way that they misdirect you by talking to you while another sticks a needle in your arm. I did not even feel the local being administered. I was given a sedative and the doctor started the procedure. They talked me through every part of what they were doing. This is a teaching hospital so while they were explaining it to me I'm sure that they were actually teaching the others in the room through me and multiple samples were taken from my arm. There was very little pressure during the biopsy. The samples were taken, did sound strange, as they're basically taking parts of your bone, so there was a lot of creaking noises. The only pressure I felt was the very last sample being taken, but this was because the surgeon leaned on my bad arm. The procedure in total was 30 minutes, and I was headed back to the ward to rest. I did ask if everything in the samples looked okay, and was told that based on the samples that they had, this was very likely a tumour that had caused this. So a brief explanation here for you on bone pain. It falls into three areas and explained to me in this manner. First, is that you broke the arm. Now I never remember doing that, so this was out of the question for me. Secondly, it's an inflammation. If this is the case, you end up getting pus leaking from the wound after the biopsy and there are no signs of it at all in the samples. The third option is it's a tumour. The samples would take two weeks to review in Ireland but if further analysis was required they would also send samples to the UK for a deeper dive. At 3 p.m. I was discharged with four weeks worth of anti-inflammatories and told to contact the hospital if anything changed. I was given fresh dressings for the biopsy site and told to keep them on for five days. I was also told to take paracetamol for any pain relief. We were now waiting for the results and two weeks was the minimum wait time. Kim and Andrew were waiting for me at home and while I needed sleep that afternoon, it was great to be back home with them. Two weeks passed and the June bank holiday weekend was the second week of it. So Kim and I took the week off work to relax and spend some time together and go over everything that had happened in the previous few weeks. On the Friday at 4.30, the call came from the hospital. My surgery was going ahead and it was to be done the following Wednesday. My surgeon had been in contact with the oncology department in St. James's and had supplied details around my case and the results of the biopsy and they agreed that the next possible steps to clear the tumour was radiation treatment but the arm had to be fixed and then healed before it could be done. So they wanted to operate sooner so that I had more recovery time before any of that started. We did not know at that stage if the tumour was cancerous or not, but based on the title of this podcast, it was. On Monday the 14th of June, I had an early morning meeting with the surgeon to review the week ahead. There was a specialist nail and screws needed on order from both the UK and Switzerland, due in that day, and the operation on Wednesday would be a two-hour keyhole procedure. The results of the biopsy cells had also come back to show cancer cells in the tumour, and at that stage they were calling it multiple myelomas. It still looked localised to the arm, so the treatment was still radiation, but while I was in hospital, the haematologist, or blood cancer specialist, will be meeting me to answer questions and discuss the next steps. Tuesday morning I arrived with my bag at 8.30 and was admitted to the hospital. I met the doctor at nine to sign my consent forms for the operation, which was explained to me again, and then the doctor did something that those of us with children begged them not to do. He took out a sharpie and wrote on my arm. At 9.30 I met another doctor who completed the admissions documents and history, and then was told to come back to the consultant's room around 1 o'clock. Any changes and they would call me. That day was really sunny so I took a walk around the hospital grounds and even managed to get down to Guinness's to see the factory from the outside. Unfortunately no sampling. At 3pm it was time to go to the ward and not only was I back in the same ward as two weeks ago but the same room too. Only this time it was full but my ward mate who was now one year and two weeks into his stay was still there. There was a lot of catching up to do Before long, we had a full battery of tests done again. Covid, MRSA, BP, temperature, etc. That night I was fasting from midnight, and after watching a movie, I put in my earplugs and slept on and off. Wednesday morning, and it was time for the surgical gown, which I still could not tie, and surgical stockings and hairnet. Before changing, they get you to wash yourself down with antiseptic wipes to prevent infections. Once everything was done, I was ready to party. I went down to the operating area at 8.30, and was given my asthma inhaler to take due to an asthma fit I had a few years before after a general anaesthetic. Then the sleight of hand started again, and while I was distracted on one side, the anaesthetic was inserted, and four hours later, I woke up in recovery. So four hours. When they started working they found that the tumour had basically liquefied the bone to a point that they believed the May bank holiday weekend, when I lashed out in my sleep, I had actually broken the bone. The problem was the top of the bone had rotated at that stage, so they had to realign the bone before starting the operation. But everything went well and they were happy with how it all went. I had a pressure bandage on my arm, which was to stay there until Friday, but the plan was to go home Friday afternoon. Now, as the tumour was liquid, it's basically plasma cells which were dealing with blood cancer, they could not remove it, but samples were taken for analysis. I was back in the ward at 2 o'clock and let Kim know it all went well. Because of COVID, Kim was calling the ward for updates as she was not allowed to be in the hospital, so she was probably tearing her hair out at that time as she believed I should have been finished in surgery well before then. That afternoon, I slept on and off, and I picked up my dinner. My surgeon came up before he headed off, as he had multiple surgeries that day. I went over everything with me, and was really happy with how it went. I was scheduled for an x-ray the following morning to get reference shots, but apart from that, I was just to rest up and take it easy. On Thursday morning, two of my doctors were up to check on me at 7.30, and see how I was doing. They reviewed my notes from overnight and were happy with my stats so far. Now, sleeping the night after surgery is not easy. You are checked every two hours for blood pressure, temperature and pulse. But between those two hours you are also given IV antibiotics, IV pain relief in the form of liquid paracetamol, you have bloods taken and generally just checked to make sure that you are still there. Breakfast, however, was great that day. I really needed it and was back drinking plenty of liquids. Coffee was also needed as I did not have my caffeine fixed the previous day. My physio also came to visit and told me that I need not do anything for the next few weeks as the tumour was still there and could cause more issues. So I had to spend 24 hours a day in the sling. So my x ray was done in the afternoon and the techs taking it were curious about the metalwork, so I ended up chatting with them for about 10 minutes. Short breaks up the day. Another doctor visit. My usual doctor was on nights this week so popped in to see how I was and the plan now was to get the pressure bandage off tomorrow, fresh bandages on and then come back in two weeks to have them changed and the sutures removed. I was told to take the anti-inflammatory and pain relief for the two weeks too and then a follow up with my surgeon once the sutures were removed. I would be in pain for about six weeks but it would gradually subside and the haematologist was to visit tomorrow. Now the only side effect from the operation was pins and needles in my right arm. But I was told that I'd been placed on that side for some of the operation, so it was just the pressure from lying on my arm and nothing to worry about. i had slept through that, so it was fine. Friday morning started at 6am with liquid paracetamol, and after breakfast, it was time to pack up and get ready to be discharged. Well, I say pack up, but truth be told, I did not bother unpacking. As I was not able to change without help, I'd been in the same clothes for two days at that stage, so it was a welcome relief to get back into normal street clothes again. I had made sure to pack items I could wear with only one arm for assistance, but needed a wash first. This is not as easy a thing to do. Honestly, I considered a shower, but with a large pressure bandage it was not going to work. Thankfully, Kim had packed some facial wipes for me, so I washed myself with them and then washed my hair over the sink. I felt refreshed, looked like I could do with a lot more sleep, but I was refreshed. At one o'clock, a nurse arrived to remove the pressure bandage. Now, I had pain relief at 6 a.m. and again at 11 a.m. and when I was asked how the pain was, I said it was actually fine. I declined the painkiller. The pressure bandage was cut off and oh my God, the Pain was unbelievable. I asked for the painkiller back. If the pain in May when I lashed my arm was measured against this, it was a paper cut compared to the truck being parked on your head. Within a minute, the painkiller kicked in and I was breathing better, but also slightly out of it. They'd given me Oxy, which does that to you. The moral of the story is if they offer pain relief, just say yes. The nurse described that what happened to me was like this. You're in a nightclub and the side room suddenly opens and everybody runs in to get a spot on the dance floor through the very narrow door. All the blood in my body suddenly found more room and wanted a piece of the action. The nurse was really happy with the wounds and my doctor took reference shots before fresh bandages were fitted. I was told that if they got wet or started lifting to come into the hospital to get them replaced rather than asking him to do it. Supposedly, a lot of partners have ended up in hospital after seeing post-operative wounds that have not technically healed yet. Thankfully, that didn't happen. A few minutes later, one of the other patients appeared with the coffee for me and just said, fair play to you. That was all that was needed. Turns out he works as a sales rep for a pharmaceutical company and supplies to the haematologist I was meeting. I was reassured to know she is one of the top in Ireland and St. James's is a centre of excellence for cancer research. I met with the haematologist at 330 and the next part of the story was put in play. I would get a bone marrow aspiration done on Monday as a day patient and was told that my cancer was early, treatable and would be continuously monitored for the rest of my life which would be a very long one. All the bloods they had seen were showing good signs and they were happy to proceed once the surgeon gave the go-ahead once my wounds were recovered. The name given to the cancer at this stage was plasma cytoma. I was given a date and time to meet with my oncologist and a PET scan was to be booked, which is standard in most cancer cases. I was also asked to make sure that my water intake was to hit a minimum of three liters a day. Now, the anti-inflammatory I was prescribed, Vimovo, was actually one that oncology did not want me on as it can interfere with cancer treatments. So I was asked to try to cut it out. So paracetamol was the way to go The chemist strength ones not the ones from the supermarket and oxy was also supplied for overnight relief. At 5pm I went home, got straight into bed but it was great to be home. I do want to say for the next few weeks that I have to really thank my wife and anyone who has been through the next part please thank their partners for this. I could not share myself, I admit it, it just was not possible. Bending over was difficult, as was getting out of bed, and as for putting socks on, I did not even bother most days. But the showering was the one thing that Kim did every day without complaint, for which I am eternally grateful. We say the words, in sickness and in health, when we marry, but we never expect it to be that way. Kim, I love you so much, and thank you for everything you've done for me. By the Monday morning, I was back logging into work remotely and updating my manager and team on how things went. I also let HR know what was happening and what the next steps would be. I felt that it was more important for me to be able to say out loud to them what I needed and what I was going through so that they understood. I was told that I could take a few days off if I needed to recover, but I actually wanted to work as it was a distraction for me. I did, however, take them up on a regular break. I was only able to use my right arm, and as a touch typer who was able to type between 50 and 75 words a minute, it was difficult to type with just one arm. I tried dictation software, but to be honest I swore at it more than it got it right. So I gave up on that quite quickly, and reverted to phone and video calls instead, where a long email would be my normal go-to. Less than a week on from the operation I we moved from orthopaedics to oncology. It was time to come up with more answers around the type of cancer that I had. The general thinking was plasmacytoma, but a PET scan and bone marrow aspiration were called for, to be added to all the other information from all the other tests that had already been performed. So on Monday I was back into the hospital and off for the bone marrow aspiration. This was also the first time that I was in the haematology department, so it was a new experience for me. I got to see where I would be regularly attending over the next few months and again all the staff were welcoming and put me at ease. Bloods were taken and then I waited for the procedure. For those that have not experienced it they basically take a sample of bone marrow from your pelvis so this requires you to lie on your side, knees up to your chest while they stick a needle into the bone. You're given anesthetic in the area so that's fine. There is a bit of pressure when they stick the needle but it's not that bad. The only uncomfortable part is being on your side for the procedure. However, I only had surgery the Wednesday before, so my arm was a dead weight and I had to prop it on pillows to take the weight, while a nurse also supported it so that it did not drop suddenly, causing the stutures to come out. Now remember I said that St. James's is a teaching hospital. Once the procedure was done, and I was sitting up for a few minutes before being sent on to the next waiting area, the doctor asked if I wanted to see the samples. I don't know why, but I said yes. And while I had no idea what I was looking at, it was fascinating to see the samples and what they were looking for. The complete results would be 10 days away, but at least that part was done and another test completed. The picture was slowly emerging and we were close to a final diagnosis. I was sent on to wait 30 minutes in the waiting area with a cuppa and given spare bandages and told to keep up the paracetamol for the pain and not to shower for 24 hours. I was also told that sleeping on my back would be sore so to try to sleep on my side instead. But with my arm the way that it was, that was just not going to happen. I also met the doctor who would be my oncologist for the next part of my treatment. While I was not due to meet him, he came in to introduce himself anyway and see how the operation had gone. He arranged a proper meeting for a few weeks time once the results were back. And that was it. In reality, the bone marrow aspiration itself is only about 5 minutes. There's 5 minutes of prep, 10 minutes afterwards, and then about 30 minutes hanging around after you're done, so probably an hour max. But the procedure itself is only 5. It's a bit sore, but it's all good. Then it was time to go home and rest. That was it for the week. Painkillers were reduced over time and I continued to work through this all. Work were very supportive and I took regular breaks to rest when I needed to. I kept my manager up to date on any appointments and HR were in contact to make sure that I was doing okay. The following week, I was back in for the sutures to be removed on the Wednesday, which went really well. The nurse removing them could tell the doctor just by the sutures As she was doing this so often. Bandages were replaced and I was told to change them every two to three days for the next two to three weeks. After this the story moves on to the cancer treatment itself so I will just complete the surgery updates as I have them. I met with the surgeon on the 16th of July and the bandages were able to come off. He was really happy with the recovery so far, the fresh x-rays showed everything was stable. Gave me daily exercises to do to get the arm a bit more mobile and said to wear the sling in public as it is turned to stop others from hitting into you. The end of August, I met him again for a review. The x-ray showed something really excited that my doctor and myself were really happy with. The top and the bottom bones were joining again and there was a definite alignment of the bone and a lot more movement to the arm. He then gave me the all clear to start doing some driving and doing more physio exercises. In October, I met with them again and more x-rays were done and the definition on the bone showed even more build-up. Driving had become easier, I was getting more movement and this time around I was told to try to get the arm to 90 degrees in front of me and to the side before our next meeting in December. So that brings us up to date on the diagnostics part of my journey. It was a very busy few weeks to start with but trusting the doctors and staff was the key piece here. Without them, the outcome could have been a lot different. Throughout this time, I was also told that my positivity was also key. Being open with what you were going through and talking to others did help me an awful lot. Work were also really supportive and continue to be. And I believe that without talking to them, I would have struggled an awful lot more. While my journey, treatment plan and outcomes might well differ from yours, I hope that I have at least helped in some way to answer some of the questions you might have or help you understand why certain tests were performed. If you are starting on this journey yourself, hopefully hearing about some of the tests would help put you at ease in some way. Trust in your doctors, your team, and most importantly in yourself too. Don't be afraid to ask questions, and do know that there are others out there that are going through this journey too. There are also a number of support groups throughout Ireland, and the Irish Cancer Society are there to help guide you towards these groups. More information can be found on their website www.cancer.ie. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and if you have someone going through something similar, let them know about it. Also, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at WFHIreland.